It's Reaction Monday, powered by Superbook Sports. Here's the Players Club. Now, Will Lutz came down this week. He just came here. He came to this field, kicked throughout the week a couple times here, said he went back to 70 yards. Remember, he missed that extra point in the first half. From the right hash mark, that's where he prefers. Nice snap, handled well. Kick is on its way, end over end, no good. Off to the right. Yeah, look. I don't have a good angle to, to look at the missed extra point. I was surprised a little bit. His first kick, he'll bounce back. You know, he's had a good two weeks with us, hadn't had any issues. And, uh, you know, we attempted the longer field goal, the 55-yard field goal. That one looked pretty close. That two, I think, was missed right, though. So, you know, we'll to get that cleaned up. Deja vu. All over again. Broncos lose, uh... Season opener, 17-16 to the hated rival, Las Vegas Raiders. Well, they're not a rival if you ask Sean Payton, but they are our rivals. And to me, Orlando, you know, what a blown opportunity by any metric. This Raiders defense was a bottom five defense in the NFL last year. Uh, they did little to improve it. To me, the defense was not good. And another anemic offensive performance. I know folks are saying Russell looked a lot better, looked a lot cleaner, looked a lot crisper. Yes, that's true, but you still only managed 16 points. Huge, huge disappointment in week one, Orlando. Yeah, but is that a Russ thing, Nate, or, or is that a overall team thing? Shoot, uh, man, I mean, it's both. I, I'm not saying it's – I have to put some of this on Russell Wilson for not being able to move his team down the field in the second half and engineer a scoring drive to put this game away when you had the opportunity. Every single pass was underneath – Cool, and I know you need receivers and tight ends to make plays after they catch the ball. But um, nothing doing downfield whatsoever, like literally nothing. Um, nothing even in the intermediate world. They're taking what they give them, yes, but you have to finish off with scores, and you have to score more than 16 points. And as a quarterback, aren't you involved in that process? Yeah, I think there's a lot of different things that you could point your fingers, but... I'll tell you this. There's a lot more blame to go around before I get to Russell Wilson on yesterday's loss. Sure. Yeah. You know, you talk about, you know, n- not the checkdowns. Well, are the wide receivers and tight ends getting open? Are, are they out there, you know, get, getting a step or two on the defender in order to command Russell Wilson's attention to get the ball to them? I thought that the play calling was dr- drastically different from the first half to the second half. The second half, I noticed that Russell Wilson was getting to the line of scrimmage. He, The clock was kind of almost out underneath five seconds a lot. Had to burn an early timeout in the second half. Sean Payton was talking about getting them to the line of scrimmage as fast as possible, letting them see the defense, letting Russ be in that reactive mode where in the second half, I don't believe that it was that, hey, get out here and just react. You're going to be able to dissect and diagnose the defense. I think the order operation drastically fell off after the first half. And when you missed now Greg Dulcich, that's huge. Like, I'm looking at this team right now and I'm saying, Albert O, where are you? Yeah, we couldn't have kept Albert O. Because Adam Troutman, yeah, he's okay at things, but he can't break his tower because he'll save his life. And where is the speed? He looks slower than me out there. There was one play on a third down where I'm like, okay, he's about to go get the first. It was like a game like three. I'm like, what the heck just happened? So for me, Nate, I, I know that whenever there's a loss, you could point the finger at a lot of different, a lot of things. And for me, it's it's not Russell Wilson. He came out, he looked like he was in great shape, 
when he was pushing the ball down the field, there were some big-time connections. He was directing traffic when he escaped the pocket. And there were some huge-time throws in like small windows that he was making and making them with confidence. So that tells me, second half, lack of production, I'm going to start pointing my finger at a lot of other people before Russell Wilson. Longest play of the day offensively, 21 yards to Brandon Johnson. That was on the first drive there. Uh, Samaji Pirine had a 20-yard uh, reception, broke some tackles there. Other than that, man, pretty anemic stuff. Corlin Sutton, four catches for 32 yards, along with 15, five targets. He had a touchdown. That was a nice play there. Um, I guess for me, man, it's not enough to just to run the offense right. I need someone making special plays. If you want to win a football game in the NFL, you need people stepping outside, above and beyond the system and the and the technique and the concepts and the design to make a special play. And I wonder, you know, how much Sean Payton just kind of downplaying this rivalry, turning it into a science experiment or a math problem or whatever it is. It's, a, it's just another game. The Raiders felt like they cared a little more about the outcome of that game than the Broncos, at least on the offensive side of the football. Um, uh, I think I think the passion would have accounted for one more point, personally. Yeah. I, I know what you're saying, but I, I look at two teams that went out there and fought. Yeah, for like, sure, man. The pads were clickety-clacking. Like, guys were coming downhill. It was a physical brand of football, whether it was the Raiders' defense or the Broncos' defense. I, I thought, like, this is – like, it had that feel – of, of a rivalry game. That's what I saw on tape. Like It looked like these players on both sides of the ball were taking this thing very serious, in my opinion. Now, I don't know about game speeches and hoopla and all this, but for me, it looked right. Like in, You had these long drives. Like Both teams didn't have a lot of possession. So I guess that was a nice thing to see. But I, I don't know how they were so taking it. You're not concerned at all that they scored three points in the second half against the against the Raiders at home? Absolutely, like, but I'm not. But what saying, accounts for that? I, I'm not saying that it because they didn't talk about uh, being a rivalry. I think there's a lot of things that accounted for Nate. I think when Greg Dolchis gets hurt in the first half, that's huge because he's a major part of your offense. I don't think we have the right guys in the wide receiver room to beat man-to-man coverage. I really don't. I think that our wide receivers right now, it is a major drop-off. And now I'm looking at Jerry Judy like, please, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? Right? So I, I think that the scheme obviously was drastically different as far as the high-low concept of putting stress on the defense. A lot of that wasn't there in the second half. So And then you got an offensive line that Max Crosby's having his cake and eating it too. So I think there are many different factors that play to the lack of production in the second half. But ultimately, for me, it's the scheme. You just talked about three points in the third half. Can I, can I just talk about one play? Yeah. The, the third down that Russell Wilson throws the ball out the end zone to get those three points in the second half. Well, for me, that's a bad scheme on Sean Payton and this offensive coaching staff. You go in a tight bunch set to the right side. Max Crosby plays on that side. Well, when he sees tight bunch, because he knows he's a little bit lighter at the defensive end position, he doesn't line up in between that tight bunch, Nate. He lines up outside of it. Well, when you put three wide receivers to one side, Russ is going to look that way. So Russ automatically starts rolling out to the right. But Crosby is seven yards away from Mike McGlinchey on that play. 
So for me, that's a bad scheme. Sean Payton, that was a bad call. You called a play right into the best defensive player for them, and now Russ just had to throw away the ball as fast as possible because the lack of production from the wide receivers and the tight ends and getting open. But also, it was just a bad play from the get-go as far as scheme to scheme. You were beat on that scheme. Well, there's a lot that went wrong yesterday, and and Russell Wilson isn't uh, the only thing, that's for sure. Did he show some improvement from last year? Yeah, we'll call it that. Still couldn't put points up on the board. But what about his coach, Sean Payton? Desperation move on the first play of the game. Surprise onside. Was that really necessary? Also, the kicking situation clearly isn't great. What else went wrong? You guys can uh, chime in on the Ramoslaw.com text line. What do you think was the problem with the Broncos yesterday and their 17-16 loss to the Raiders at home, making it seven straight? Text us, 303-713-1043. We'll read it, and we're going to get into everything else that went wrong with this Broncos team yesterday. That's next. It's Reaction Monday, powered by Superbook Sports. Here's the Players Club. Yep, we're reacting to the uh, (laughs) the one-point loss. At home against the Raiders, and you guys are chiming in on the RomosLob.com text line. Coming in fast and furious, I'm going to read a few of them before we get to Sean Payton's explanation of why he tried the desperation move. On the first play, he he did a trick play on his very first play. Uh. Brilliant! (laughs) Okay, um, from the RomosLob.com text line, any reasonable Bronco fan must admit that the Raiders should have won that game by double digits. Should have cleaned house. When they had the chance, gotten whatever they could. Anything for Sutton or Judy or Simmons. Oh, and remember all Dalton Reisner. We can't trade him. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Um, how does... Hold on. They're coming in so fast, these texts. I, I'm having a hard time clicking on them because I try to click on it. And it's already on to the next. Okay. Nope. I can't read that. <laughs> all right. Let's just, let's just get right into Sean Payton's explanation for what I thought was a, a bizarre way to start his tenure here with the Denver Broncos. Here he is. It was something we had seen on film. It wasn't like a random. We, we just felt like saw a leverage opportunity and, and someone we wanted to take advantage of. Obviously, we didn't want to contact the ball before 10 yards, but it was kind of being aggressive, and yet we felt like you know, we came to win a game. So it was, it was something we discussed. If we won the toss, we were going to defer. Then obviously we wanted it kicked over on our sideline. So, you know, it was just one of those things that we felt percentage wise, we felt pretty good about the, the odds. Okay. Um, have you seen, have you watched The Bachelor at all? No. Okay. Well, on the ba- or Bachelorette, so the way they start, they introduce for the first time, they roll up in these limos, yeah. and then they get out of the limo, and they do some, some of them do some kind of crazy right when they're making this first impression. Some of them just walk right up and say their names. Yeah. To me, Running a surprise onside kick on the first play of your tenure on the first game of the season. It's like the contestant on The Bachelor who steps out of the limo, juggling, burning machetes, naked, wearing only roller skates and blindfolded. Mm -hmm. And it's like, hi, I'm Sean. Nice to meet you. Well, where do we go from here, Sean? Yeah. But I saw you tweeted that you you like that move. I like the symbol of the move. I like what it symbolized. I like the fact that, hey, as an opposing coach... You have to stay on your toes when going against the 2023 Denver Broncos. I don't like the call necessarily because the call, you instantly give the other team momentum. So I, I like the fact that you, you're, you're sitting there and no matter what, as a coach, hey, moving forward, 
You never know. You got a wild card. You got a guy in Sean Payton that's going to kind of do things his way. But at the same time, if I'm a head coach of a football team, I'm not doing that. Because if you don't recover it, it's a short field. You've already put your defense in a bad position to start the football game. And you've already, like, you're giving them a short field. 44 right? yard line. They I mean, got it at the Denver 44. Yeah. So you go get, you go get 15 yards. And if you want in, in altitude, you could try to make a, a field goal in that. So that, that's a first down and a half. So you already put your d- defense in a, in a bad position with something like that. But, you know, I, I do like what it symbolizes. I, I, I do. I mean, and, and that's that we got a wild card. We got a, a coach that, you know, every special teams coach moving forward until the Bron- like for the rest of the season, I think, or is going to have to think about is Sean Payton crazy enough right now to try to do an onside kick. So just showing it, right? And, and that's maybe that, that's the offensive lineman mentality in me where I want to cut somebody as early, as quick, as in the game as possible so they just know I have it in my toolbox. I'm with that one, but yeah. anybody who knows Sean Payton has followed his tenure as a coach knows that he did a surprise onside kick at the first uh, second half of the Super Bowl. That's how they won the Super Bowl. That's on tape. Everyone knows Sean Payton likes to do fakes and have his punter as a thrower and, and do all kinds of uh, tricky stuff on special teams. So the idea that you're putting that on tape so coaches have to be careful of it, to me, is a little bit much because everyone knows Sean Payton is that guy. But the, the, the thing about him seeing a tendency that he was trying to exploit, and what that means is he had a front-line guy on the opposite team who likes to get out early, who likes to bail before the snap of the ball. You see, that's the part of it. That I'm not buying because when did you see this? When did you see the Raiders at full strength? Offensively, they have never been at full strength. Jimmy Garoppolo was away from this football team. So you're telling me on special teams, you saw something on special teams in preseason that you just knew? There's so many moving bodies. uh, Special teams is the one unit that throughout the course of preseason that there's so much mismatching going on that you never see a team trot out there. This is our unit that's going to be out there week one on this unit. So I, I call B, you know what, on what Sean Payton's excuse on this because I, I think that he's talking out the side of his mouth. B, what, you know, I, I don't know what, what. What do you mean, B, you know? Okay. What? I guess you don't need to know then. I want to know. I want to know. I'll tell you off air. <laughs> yeah, man, I think it was – um I think it was a look at me moment for from our head coach on the very yeah. first play of the game. Why are you doing that? It's about your players. Put them in a position where they can start off the game on the right foot. You got Jimmy G, who's a, it's his first time there. He was dealing with a foot injury all off season, all training camp. He gets right, but these guys haven't played much together. Josh Jacobs, right, didn't play in training camp. Just signed his contract a week or two ago. Why give them? <laughs> Such a short field. They got the ball on our side of the 50 on the 44-yard line. Had to do go nine plays to get in the end zone. Uh, man, it, it, that made Nathaniel Hackett look like Vince Lombardi. That Oh, that one. Right there. Right off the bat. Right there. First play of the season, huh? And if, and if we're looking at it in hindsight, Josh McDaniels outcoached Sean Payton yesterday. Yes, 100%. Yes. For me, Nate, you came out in the first period, in the first uh, segment of the show and talked about Russell Wilson. And I said, there's a lot of other finger pointing that I'm doing before I get to Russell Wilson. In my opinion, Sean Payton lost the football game for the Broncos yesterday. 100%. You've lost this game. This one's on your head coach. For many different reasons, you could talk about roster. You could talk about all the different schemes that were going on offensively. But from the first series and the first drive to 
the, what happened in the second half, offense looked drastically different. Uh, how you constructed this tight end room, I don't think you did a great job. I think you kept some of the wrong people in this tight end room. Mm. Wide receivers can't beat man-to-man coverage. There's nobody special in this wide receiver room right now as it stands. Now, maybe when Jerry Judy goes back there, all it all starts getting together. But right now, how these guys have developed, no, it, it's just not there. Um, offensive line, you wouldn't have spent a lot of money. You know, Max Crosby was giving Mike McGlinchey everything that he could handle out there yesterday. So for me, I look at these things, but as a head coach, you decided that, hey, we're going to move on from a kicker. Then we're going to bring in some kickers for a kicker battle. Then after the kicker battle is going to go on, instead of, you know, these five other training camp battles that you talked about earlier on in the offseason that just happening, instead of going to get a kicker right there, you traded for a kicker, the guy that you liked and wanted here. And he goes out there and he misses an extra point. Like, these are your decisions, Sean Payton. And this guy talks about how he was in the fear of you. That's why he thinks that he was at his all-time best. Well, guess what? He just missed the open and feel extra point of the season. So what are you going to do now, Sean Payton? Are you going to rule this thing with the iron, like that iron hand or the iron wrath? Or what's that saying? Iron fist. Iron fist. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Are you going to rule it like that? Because that's what people seem to think that you're going to do. But yesterday's loss... 100%. Bad coaching. He was outcoached. Yeah, it's funny. The opening kickoff of the 2023 Denver Broncos season, which this season was supposed to mark a new era in, in sound, intelligent football, no pre-snap penalties, experienced tactician at the helm who dissects defenses and comes up with transcendent game plans. But he's also old school and, you know, the priorities placed on the right stuff, smart, sound, tough, hard-nosed football this new era of Broncos football began with a freaking gimmick, and uh, it made me puke in my mouth a little bit. I've been on the field for those types of plays. Number one, they're very hard to pull off. Everything's got to go right. And um, I've been the kicker for that play mm. in college. I've been the guy trying to recover it. I've been the guy trying to recover it on the opposite side. It's a really hard play to pull off because you're counting on guys just being so lazy and having gotten so complacent with their technique, they're bailing out before they see the ball kick. But on the very first play of the very first game, they're not complacent yet. They remember their coaching points. They're watching the ball off the tee. And yes, you had an opportunity to make that play, Nate, but you didn't. I can't believe he got up there on the podium and said that he saw something on film. Hey, when did that whole special teams unit get together if you're the Las Vegas Raiders? Please, somebody, go back and show me in the preseason when all 11 guys that you planned on having out there on the game, when they got together. That doesn't happen. And you know, just as well as I know, special, like offensively, defensively, you're trying to show so little. You're trying to be so vanilla out there on preseason, not tip your hand about what's to come. What do you think is happening on special teams? You go into games, you have one return. Hey, we are returning the ball straight. That's it. We just want to see how guys hustle. That's and, vanilla yeah, light. Yeah, yeah. So, like, to hear Sean Payton's excuse now on it that we saw something, come on, man. Guys move around so much. That's the biggest position group, biggest part of football where there's so much musical chairs yeah. when the 53-man roster is finally created. Yep. I was going to say, we saw something on tape. Like you said, I would venture to guess that at no point during the preseason did you see those 11 guys in those positions for that play. I I, I don't even think five guys. You've, you've seen even five uh, there uh, uh, during the whole preseason. Five guys, burgers, and fries. <laughs>
All right. Um, hey, we're going to dive a little deeper into this loss. There's a lot of blame to go around. Did they do anything well? What's the diagnosis here? But either way you look at it, now that seven straight for the Raiders over the Broncos. Is it a rivalry when you lose seven straight? I don't know if we can call it that anymore. What does Troy Rank think? He's going to join us next. It's Reaction Monday, powered by Superbook Sports. Here's the Players Club. And getting Troy Rank on the line. A lot of blame to go around for that game. Can't put it on one person, but you got to, it has to start at the top. Um, so, you know, we've been talking about Sean, talking about Russ, but we're going to talk about the whole shebang with our boy Troy Rank. Troy joins us. Presented by ROX Rocks Heating and Air, Troy's of Denver 7. Troy, okay, I'm just going to give you the floor. Your general thoughts on that 17-16 loss to the Raiders. Yeah, it was disappointing because everything you felt new, it wasn't. Everything felt different, but it wasn't. It was just a different way to get to the same result with a new coach. And it was such an odd game, Nate. Six possessions, the fewest possessions. I think I saw from Nick Hosmeyer's tweet, uh, fewest possessions in a game for the Broncos since like 2000. And if you're going to have a plotting offense with a bend but don't break defense, you got to score touchdowns because you leave yourself vulnerable then uh, to one drive beating you, and that's essentially what happened. So, you know, I I was encouraged by what I saw from Russell Wilson in the first half. He was efficient. He was using his legs. He was showing the mobility we saw in camp. But their lack of playmakers at times is just alarming. I mean, you look at the second half, they had 52 yards passing. Who's getting open? I mean, somebody's got to be a deep threat. It's probably going to have to be Mims at some point or Judy next week, but you just cannot win this way with no margin for error. I mean, it's just – and until they finish, what's going to change? And I say this when I coach kids, covered a lot of baseball. It's hard to have confidence without results. At some point, they're going to have to fake it till they make it and start believing they can do this because – they get to these points in games, these moments where the outcome's determined, and they can't win them. And it's the weirdest thing, but it's like embedded over the last six years. So you just kind of talked about it, the playmaker aspect. Um, in the second half, you, you talk about, what, 53 yards passing. Um, what did you see out there with, with when the wide receivers and tight ends were going down the field? What did you see just from that bird's-eye view? Were there always just running shorter routes or, you know, were guys specifically just not coming open? Because for me, um, I, I thought that I saw guys just not coming open. I, and I also thought I saw a combination as well of, of Sean Payton just not doing th- the best with his route con- concepts. It's, it's uh... Yeah, they got conservative. I mean, I see, you know, they do layered routes, the intermediate routes. The, the problem is once Dolchich was out, he left in the last play, the last drive of before halftime. He looked like he pulled his right hamstring again. Once he goes out, that's a mismatch for them. So then you're, you're going to Troutman, you're going to these guys in front of the sticks and asking them to make plays. And, you know, and Sutton, I mean, I, he had a touchdown and all credit to him, but he's not a true one. I mean, he's just not. He's not that guy. He's a nice player, but he's much more of a complimentary player, like a possession receiver. So, okay. Who's the deep threat? Well, they had one play that should have been made. Now it's Philip Dorsett. 
and he loses track of where he is on the field, oh, and he steps out of bounds, and he's wide open. So, I mean, again, that's just indicative of a team that can't get out of its own way, that if that Dorsett play is there, they probably get a field goal that they win today by a couple of points, and you're like, you know what? It wasn't pretty, but they're showing progress, and they found a way to finish. So, But you're right. Uh, Peyton got conservative offensively. They were a plotting offensive team. And it was just weird to juxtaposition to the onside kick to start the game, which I didn't like because it kind of tells your team you're, you kind of have to gimmick the game up to beat the opponent. I love it in the second half. I don't like it on the first one, but listen, probably should have recovered it. They didn't. But it just looked like, oh, they got a little conservative in their passing game because who is that guy that's going to get open deep? And if you just look from an athletic standpoint, it's probably Mims yesterday and they just you know, probably don't trust him yet. I mean, that's what it looked like. I think, what do you have, one target? So they need Judy back. I know Judy didn't have a great camp, but they missed him, especially in the second half, because they just don't have that one guy that can take the ball, you know, take a seven-yard hitch and go 40 yards with it. That guy just didn't really exist yesterday. Yeah, and they just didn't go deep, Troy. I mean, I, I want to see, you know, I'm a for, former receiver tight end, and I so I like pushing the ball down the field. There's a play we used to run called Two Jet All Go. That means everybody goes deep, and we're going to choose the best matchup, and we're going to just going to throw it because it puts the defense on their heels. They have to respect that the rest of the game. It doesn't matter if it's complete or not. Take a shot. We didn't see that at all. But I want to switch to the other side of the ball, Troy. Defensively, I thought the Broncos' defense played pretty darn good. They held Josh Jacobs to 48 yards, for example. Um, under 100 yards rushing for the Raiders, 200 yards passing, 250 total yards for the Raiders' offense, but the Broncos couldn't stop them when it mattered late in the game. What's your What's your take of the defensive performance? I mean, that more than anything was a replay of the last few years that they got gassed, and when they absolutely needed a stop, when the Broncos went up sixteen ten, because if the Broncos score a touchdown and go up twenty ten, for me, they win the game. Game's over. They don't. They settle for a field goal, and that missed extra points hanging over you. And when the Broncos defense needed to stop, the Raiders went right down the field on them. There was a couple of penalties, a couple of big plays. Damari Mathis had a tough day against Jacoby Myers. That's going to be a theme. Teams are going to go at him because of the fact Sertan is so good on the other side. I mean, they're just not going to make a living going after him. So what did I see? A lot of good things, except two things hurt them. Inability to get pressure, and I get it. Jimmy G, the ball's out quickly, but you got to hit him. you got to affect him more than they did. No sacks. Uh, for the game, and I went into the season saying, you know, the outside linebacker room's a concern. Now if you look back to the Bradley Chubb trade, they have 12 sacks in their last 10 games. I mean, that, that just doesn't cut it. You've got to get more pressure, and they've got to get it from Randy Gregory specifically because he's their most dynamic player on the edge. But when they had to finish, they just couldn't. Like if Damari Mathis knocks that ball down, you force the Raiders into a fourth down, a crazy play, they settle for a field goal, then maybe they never, the Raiders never get the ball back and lose 16-13. But they were gassed. And I do see people saying, sure, the Broncos have gone for it on fourth and three, but on their own 32 with 5-14 left. I mean, to me that's difficult because that shows no confidence in your defense. I mean, if there's three minutes left or whatever, I get it. But if you're saying we're not going to get the ball back when we punt it to them with five minutes, but that was so similar, Nate. We saw it at Cleveland a couple years ago. We saw it with the Eagles. We saw it with the Raiders last year the inability to get off the field, but it's traced back to the fact the defense spends too much time in the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just, both teams were doing these plotting long drives. And by the end of the game, the defense looked a little gassed to me. 
Troy, what was your opinion, first impression on Russell Wilson 2023? Is he fixed? Is he still broken? I thought he looked great. I thought Russ was not the problem yesterday at all. I mean, he executed the offense Sean Payton called for him, and he did everything he's done since the second week of camp. He, he moved. He showed mobility. He made good decisions with the football. I mean, he was 18 of 20 in the first half for 125 yards and two touchdowns, and you're up 13-10. You're like, okay, project that over a game. You win 26-20. You're feeling good about yourself. Second half, no Dulcich, not having Jerry Judy for me at the Raiders defense recognized, like, hey, who's going to beat us deep? They started clamping down, and it made it more difficult for Russ. He was under a little more pressure in the second half. But if you watched that game and thought they lost because of Russell Wilson, I can't help you. That, that game, the, the game's lost by the fact that their special teams was a hot tire mess again. <laughs> Ten penalties. Like, you just can't be this sloppy. You have to win in the margins. And that was the most disappointing to me yesterday is I know they're better coached, 100% watching them. But you can't hurt yourself when you're playing these close games. You miss a field goal. You miss an extra point. You have a holding on a kick return. You touch a ball on an onside kick. You have 10 total penalties. You can't win that way. This te- I'll say this. This team can't win that way. At some point, special teams have to be a strength. And you need to be around five penalties a game. Once you start approaching eight, nine, ten, they're just not good enough to overcome that. But I thought Wilson was fine. Can he be better? Yes. But they had six drives. They should have scored on four of them. They just get Judy back. Hopefully Dulcich is only out for a few weeks. They've got to incorporate some deep strikes, more explosive plays for this offense to start clicking. And maybe we'll see that starting against Washington. But the challenge is real. Washington's not a great team, clearly. But their defense is really good. Troy Passertan looked good on Devontae Adams, held him, I don't know, to 11 yards or something like that, and looked really good on one side. Damari Mathis struggled on the other side. And you got to understand and expect him to get tested every single week because of how good PS2 is. Damari Mathis struggled a little bit yesterday. Was that a play-calling issue, you think, with VJ dialing up the wrong coverages that's not helping him, or is it Damari Mathis' issue? Well, I mean, he's getting targeted a lot. And so he's going to give up some catches. That's just the reality of it. When they're going after you 10 to 15 times a game, you're going to give up some yards. But there's got to be a point of inflection with Damari when you get in the red zone that I got to make a play here. Like, you're going to give up some yards. We get it. Uh, and he loves the competition. The kid's attitude, if you guys are ever around him, I mean, he's, he, he's a fighter, man. He, he just loves to compete. So it's not that he's backing down from the challenge. It's just when you get to the red zone and you get to third down, those are money plays. And he's just going to have to find a balance between what's interference and what's physical. What can I get away with? Because he kept giving up. He gave up inside to Jacoby on the one touchdown. The other touchdown, that was pretty good coverage. I'm not going to kill him for that, the, the first Myers touchdown. I mean, that was decent coverage. But on that last one, you get beat inside. I mean, that's, again, those are the points in the game you got to win. you got to just keep an eye on it, see where his confidence is. Last year when he had the first game, he started with three penalties. Next game, a little shaky, and then he just got better and better. But there's just there's not a lot of time for him to figure it out because they're going to keep going after him. There, there's just no way around it. Maybe you split in and use Fabian Moreau a little bit, the experienced guy, if you see him struggling. Because you, you don't want to lose Damari because he's too good of a player that way. But you're going to just have to keep an eye on it. And I don't know if you protect him more with zone, some of those things. You can scheme it a little bit. But the reality is they're not going to go after Pat Sertan. So whoever is on that other side, you've got to be ready. And maybe it's safety top over the help a little more. 
you know, doctor it up a little bit, but they're going to go after him. And I like the kid. I love his confidence, but the challenge is real moving forward. Yeah, if you thought there was a lot of action to Demari's side yesterday, just wait. Next week it's going to be worse because that's what they're seeing on film. Thank you for joining us, Troy. We appreciate you, buddy. Thanks, Troy. You got it. See you. There goes Troy Rank of Denver 7, presented by ROX Rocks Heating and Air. Oh, look at this. We got some breaking news on the Broncos front. I'll share that with you next. Reaction Monday, powered by Superbook Sports. Here's the Players Club. Pull it back, cover. Shade. Good God, it's a raid. <laughs> Cut out the lights and call the luck. <laughs> well, I did tell you guys I got some breaking news. More like a, some, a tearing. A ripping. <sighs> Broncos safety. Caden Stearns expected to be out for the season with a torn patellar tendon. Source says this is per Ian Rappaport. The young DB had been primed for increased playing time before the unfortunate injury. End quote. So Caden Stearns lost for the year. And you just look back at, first of all, just that young man, your heart breaks for him because of. His journey, man, and, I, and I've been there. Like I've never gotten hurt in game one, but I got hurt in game four or five, whatever it was, and done for the season. The guy has been playing better, talking about how much more he's learning about the game, how Justin Simmons has rubbed off on, has rubbed off on him, and how he's seeing the the game, and he's working for more playing time. And Kareem was kind of in the background, and Caden Stearns was getting the opportunity, and here he goes. What second play of the game? Snaps his patellar tendon and he's done for the season. Yeah, I mean, this one's tough. I mean, I I know Vance Joseph had big plans for Caden Stearns. You look at just how he worked his way into putting himself in position to compete in for a starting job. Like, yeah, I know Kareem got the starting job. I know Kareem got the captain. But Caden Stearns was going to be a big part of this thing moving forward. Of the different packages, I think... And the end of that game, when Jimmy ran for that third and seven, I think Caden Stars would have been on the field instead of Bassey, right? So in your big nickel situations, yep. I, I think it was going to be him until K1 gets healthy and, and, and then he's able to get back out there on the field. So this is a huge blow for this football team, but it's a huger blow for Caden Stearns. Just hasn't been able to stay healthy since he got drafted a couple years ago. And you wonder if this is the last time you've seen him in a Denver Bronco uniform. Mm. And that's the that's the thing that hurts the most. Because I truly believe that that young man has a lot of ability. He's just never really got the opportunity because his body couldn't hold up. The sport of football, you talk about the 100% injury rate. You throw your body around like that, your muscles, your ligaments, your bones, they snap. They're not... <sighs> They're not built for that type of strain. And, you know, you saw him shoot the gap, was in the backfield, try to make an arm tackle out there on uh, Josh Jacobs. I thought originally it was his shoulder. He was on the ground, like, moving his arm around. Uh, but Torres Patellar tendon. So if you're just joining us, Caden Stearns out for the season. That means Kareem Jackson going to get thrust back into that starting role, and we'll be asked to do a whole lot more. Um, and, and you talked about the nickel situations. That affects the way you can dial up your defense there. Yeah, Um you know, it ultimately limits this defense. And, man, like if I'm Sean Payton, if I'm George Payton, I'm trying to look and see if there's a deal to be made with, with one of these football teams because you're down K-1. 
and you're down Caden Stearns, both of those guys are able to go in there in, in that nickel position and when you go to your nickel defense and also allow you to put, you, put Kareem Jackson on the field as well for that physicality and uh, that chemistry that he has with Justin Simmons. And, and now you look at, well, who's up next? It's the same Bassey. And I, I know that Bassey had a good preseason, but, man, he's a liability out there as well. You saw it yesterday. You know, on that third and seven, Bassey falls right down. Like, Jimmy could have literally easy touchdown pass on that third and seven that, where he runs at the end of the game. So you can't feel good about this defense moving forward because of your, your numbers, and you can't get there with four. They, they showed that yesterday, that it's tough to get there and create pass rush and generate a pass rush with four guys on a consistent basis. We're going to get into the defense and that, and that lack of pass rush from those edge players and really from the whole D-line. Um, but I want to shift gears real quick and talk about the buffs for a second here because, look, an enormous win over Nebraska a couple days ago. Somebody in this region is playing some good football. Coach Prime says the win on Saturday was personal. Here he is. We didn't just want to win. We wanted to dominate. In the first half, we weren't dominant. In the second half, we got it together and uh, we began to dominate. But we wanted to really impose our will because the whole theme of the week was just personal. It's personal. Now, Sean Payton said, no, it's not. It's just a divisional opponent. But it is personal for Coach Prime and Shador. Shador wasn't happy with Matt Rule during pregame warm-ups. Here he is. Coach, the coach said a lot of things about my pops, about the program, but now that he want to act nice, I don't, res- I, don't, I don't respect that because you hating on another man. You shouldn't do that. So it was just all respect was gone for them in their program. Now, I like playing against their D.C. I like playing against them, but respect level, it ain't, it ain't there because you disrespected us first. And it showed on the field. You played with some passion, and you, you made us proud, Shador. I see you 2-0. Two and oh, who would have thought? And all eyes are on this CU Buffs program. That's, that's right. We here. We here. And right about now, right about now, we're welcoming in our longtime friend of the station, Bob Iback, joining us now with some very cool stuff going on for CU fans. Bob, welcome to the program. Tell us what you got cooking. Well, you know, I live in, the, in in Illinois, in the Chicago area. That's all they're talking about here. I mean, <laughs> it's amazing. Colorado football is relevant, and it is personal, and it's taken over the nation now. They're ranked uh, uh, number 18 in the country, first time since, uh, I think it was 2016, when they were ranked 17th. And coming off uh, another exciting win over in Nebraska, 36-14, we have something for, for Buffalo fans. I'll tell you, you're going to want to get this. I'll get, get that the phone number and the website in a second. I had a chance to see uh, uh, one of these uh, special limited edition footballs, full size, that's saluting uh, Colorado football being back in, in the big-time business, and it is gorgeous. Uh, only 5,000 of these will ever be made. Uh, everything on the football panels is embossed, which will keep it pristine looking for years to come. It's priced at just $119 per ball. Everything is approved and licensed. You'll get a numbered certificate of authenticity with it. And before I give out that phone number, I want to caution people. Only, again, 5,000 of these will ever be made. On the top panel, it's really kind of stunning looking. It, it says it's a new era. And it's got all kind of cool information with the uh, uh, panoramic uh, 
uh, Boulder skyline in the background uh, in the in the results of the very first game when they beat TCU right on there. The second panel has some team history with the Buffalo was logo right there, stadium history. And the third panel is really cool because we have a color panoramic photograph of the uh, stadium. Folsom Stadium, right there, stretches from left to right. It really makes this football pop. It's the only one of its kind being produced. Again, only 5,000 will be made. So if you're looking for maybe a holiday gift idea coming up for that uh, Colorado Buffaloes fan, I think this is it. Here's how you can get it. The toll-free number is 1-800-345-2868. That's one 800 345 2868, or just go to the website, nicosports.com, N-I-K-C-O-Sports.com. That's N-I-K-C-O-Sports.com. Get this football. This is the, I think this is the, the college football team that everybody in this country has caught up with and looking and talking about. You can't go on another radio show or on the new, in the newspapers and not see something about Colorado Buffaloes football. Great stuff, Bob. We appreciate you joining us, and uh, we'll check that out. Check it out, nicosports.com, if you want to get this awesome football CU themed with that photo uh, and take advantage of this energy that's going on right now behind this program. It's pretty incredible. All right, before uh, – look – before we brought Bob on, I broke some some unfortunate news on the Broncos front. Caden Stearns out for the season. That's right, Caden Stearns, Broncos young safety who's flashed and shown a lot of potential. Injured once again, uh, tore his patellar tendon on his knee. He's going to be done for the season. So some unfortunate news out of Broncos country. But hey, guess what, guys? Football injures its players. It's going to happen every single week. How deep is your roster? Where's your Where's your practice squad at? Because every single swing in Richard is going to need to be on deck playing if we're going to have any chance of making a run at this thing. Broncos are 0-1. What went wrong? Here's here's an idea. We knew this might be a problem, guys. A scene in Seth Wickersham's ESPN piece revealed this potential theme. Peyton noticed it on film from joint practice, and it reared its ugly head yesterday. We'll dive into it next.